Hi and welcome. My name is Josh Stone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. The Ignite podcast is dedicated purely to the engineering and construction industry. Join me as I interview serious change makers, leaders and business owners who are creating significant shifts in the industry, leading inspired teams, running successful businesses and in general, making big things happen. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is all about bringing like-minded change makers, leaders, and business owners in the engineering and construction industry together to share their stories, their strategies, their ideas, and their mindset on what's working for them right now in order to help you learn from the best to implement and to grow as well. Now, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. In the meantime, hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. So hi everyone, today I'm being joined by Scott Clements. Hey Scott, how are you mate? Good thanks, good to be here. So mate, I guess... um, yeah, thanks first and foremost for, for agreeing to, to join me today. I guess, um, yeah, maybe for those of you who don't know you, give us a quick 30-second elevator pitch on, on you, your business, and what you've been up to. 30 seconds. Okay, yes. Nah, so you, you can take more if you want. My, uh, my business is um, Inertia Engineering. Um, we're symbols, structural, hydraulic slash flooding consultants been around well, in the current form for 10 years, uh, in business for 15 years in the engineering industry. Um, but outside of engineering, my background includes uh, finance, property development, um, project management as well. So I guess I've brought some of those skills and learnings to, to our, our um, consultancy, engineering consultancy business. Um, on the personal side, uh, married with three three young boys that are, that, that keep me busy and, and uh, active um, yep. and uh, tend, to, tend to be active myself. Yeah. So whatever the current um, fad of exercise is in, I, I get into it. At the moment it's triathlon for me. Um, it, there was a bit of a, a stint in CrossFit for a while, but uh, yeah, triathlons uh, are all the rage. So yeah, that's where I'm focused. Right. And I guess I'm, I'm keen to understand the inertia journey, like in terms of, what made you start your own business, what happened there, and kind of the journey that's that you've gone on to get to where you are. So, I mean, yeah, the, the start's yeah, always sure. a good place to start. I started um, engineering straight out of university, obviously. Uh, back in 1998, I spent six years in a, in a mid-tier consultancy in Brisbane before going to the UK. Um, spent three years over there in, in a couple of different locations, but one in particular was a, a larger firm called for, called Bureau Hapold that had, I guess, a culture that I hadn't seen before in, in our industry. Uh, the, a big firm, but they had this this real innovative, personal culture, which probably was one of the little steps that inspired me along the way. And we still use them as a, a bit of a, a benchmark for what we do and what we want to do here. Um, but in saying that, after after um, leaving the UK, I, I travelled for a bit and I decided not to not to continue with engineering. Now that was 
that was more to do with me not really liking the, the sort of, I guess, the real technical elements of of everything we do. I certainly do like like most engineers solving problems and and getting involved to an extent, but I, I probably don't like getting bogged down too much on doing the same thing. So I I decided to go and uh, try something else, which is where the uh, property development, project marketing, um, also finance came into play. Um, unfortunately, that what I was doing there got hit by the GFC, uh, and that that business it wasn't my business, but that business went went bust. Uh, and I was about to get married, so I thought I'd better go back and get a real job again. Um, yep. And luckily, uh, a, a mate of mine, David Kelly, who's my um, business partner here, was had recently started a small consultancy firm and was looking for support. So joined him um, as a contractor to start with for, I don't know, six months or so, and then sort of a proposition him to say, well, let's let's do this together and, and see where it, where it goes. Um, the first... So that was back in, he started 2008 when I joined him. The first three years, we, my wife and I had a new family and I wasn't too worried about growing business or, or whatever. We had plenty of work despite coming out the back of the GFC, plenty of work to do ourselves and just cruised along um, for three years doing that side of things until uh, we decided to, to start being a real business, uh, change names, getting websites, getting our own office, all sorts of stuff like that. And I guess that's what um, what was the what what I say is the real start of the business. I don't count the stuff before it. Um, right. Uh, in a sense, because it was more of a personal thing. But um, yeah, so that was it. Ten years ago, two thousand eleven. Yeah, right. And I guess to dive into some of the theme, themes I want to explore with you, like from a leadership point of view. Um, what have you found the most effective from from growing the business, growing the team, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's not something that, that most people in our profession are, are, are great naturally at. Um, no, agreed. And so there's, there's been lots of lessons along the way. Um, look, I think that, I mean, it probably doesn't really matter what profession it is or if it's a profession at all, but to me, leadership probably comes down to an understanding first, an understanding of who you're talking to, um, whether it's an individual or a group of people, and and I guess what what motivates them. Um, uh, looking out for what's what's interesting and inspiring out there as well. So, what are other people doing well? What's the market doing well? Obviously, people look to leaders to lead. So, leaders can't lead unless they they don't know what's happening or what's the next thing. Yep. Um, and for me. You know, um, one of my sayings is uh, engineering is an art form first and, and a science second. And that's sort of what I apply, I guess, generally to what I do. It's I like the creativity side of things. So how can we, you know, innovate? When I say innovate, it's a bit of a dirty word. Some people, some people get um, turned off by the word innovation, but I, but I see that as just little things too, you know, very little things in the way you... It might be in the way you walk into the office and start your first five minutes of the day, or it might be in the way you you approach a call with a with a client or, or something like that. So you know, how can we constantly look at those little little ways that we can get get better? I guess, um, yeah, and that's probably what drives my leadership yeah. style. Um, and probably the other thing is I don't 
I'm certainly not a manager and I'm, and I'm, I'm probably a pretty average manager in a sense. Uh, so it's very hands off. Um, my expectation of people is that, that you know, they, they take the bull by the horns and, and, I'll, and I'll leave them alone generally. And Matt, I'm curious to dive into that saying or that statement around art first, science second, because I think, you know, I'm an, I'm an engineer myself. I came through the ranks of, you know, you, you go to uni and you're just taught to do numbers and you're taught to solve problems and you're not really ever taught the human element and the client connection piece and um, doing all those problems. I mean, I don't like the word softer skills, but those, those softer skills to get better yeah. outcomes. So what's been... What's really supported you? Because obviously you're a trained engineer and that sort of thing. What sort of supported you um, shifting from that very, very technical mindset around problem solving to look at the problems through the lens of someone where it's art first, it's it's a creative endeavour first, and then we put the science behind it? Mm. Yeah, I think it probably goes back to that first part I said around leadership is understanding. So what you need to understand what everyone involved in it, if it's a project or a group, uh, is interested in what's motivating them, what drives them, um, what's what's best for them. And they might not even know themselves sometimes, yeah. which is pretty cool. Uh, I think that start that's that has to be the start. You have to want to care about what people care about, you know. Um, and, and if you don't do that, you won't you won't get to the next step. Now, I've probably had. I don't know if it was it's luck or, or stupidity sometimes, but um, I've obviously stretched myself into into a whole lot of different areas outside of straight consulting engineering, which has allowed me to gain that understanding as well. Um, you know, and I think that that's that's the that's the probably the biggest thing that pushed me forward in in that sort of approach. I mean, I'm naturally like to be creative, but if if I you know, the experience I've had around property development or construction or finance has really pushed me forward, but also getting diversity of opinion. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in our business here of having diversity of backgrounds because people, different people bring different thoughts um, to a problem or an organisation or whatever, and I think we can all all learn from it. But, yeah, primarily it's an understanding and a listening first before before speaking and not di- not diving into the to the deep, um, very technical thing that that's easy for us to do because most engineers are trained in that. As you say, that they go to what's what's easy and what they're trained in, rather than let's sit back for a while and understand. Yeah, yeah, and I think most people default, and it's human nature, default to the stuff that's easiest for us and the stuff that we're trained in to go to something to. Well, if I can sort this out with my calculator, that'd be really good. But if I have to use my if I have to have a hard conversation with a client or if I have to um, maybe stop, pause and understand where my teammate's coming from or maybe what my client really wants, that makes me a bit more uncomfortable. Um, and how do you, how have you approached, because, I mean, I've, I've had a chat to plenty of people within your business and I know plenty of people within your business and that there's um, a fairly common theme that comes through, which is culture is amazing and it's a really good culture and it's a culture that, encourages um free thinking and it encourages people to be fairly autonomous and i guess what have you um how have you gone about that leadership piece and sort of empowering people to think a bit differently and have that sort of free reign to run things how they how they would like to yeah i'm not really sure if it was uh, any conscious decision as such i mean i, I, yep. I do like that 
that we do that. But no, you know, how did I sit down one day and go, how am I going to make sure this happens in the business? No, definitely not. Yep. Um, I think that um, really it 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 goes to, you know, that's that's my drive. I guess that's part of what I I like to do to to let people express themselves and come with ideas and and you know for them to be the change if, if they want to make a change um i think it's silly to be uh let's just do this this way for the next 20 years because well one to me it's it might work for a while but two you're not going to stay ahead of the curve and, and three to me it's boring you know i don't i don't really you know i, I it's okay doing the, the same thing um, a few times, but it's it's you know if you're not constantly driving the next step, it gets a bit monotonous. So I guess I give that from from myself. I look for other people that are similar that that are our leaders, and and I honestly believe that the vast majority of people actually are like that, um, but they sometimes get caught up in in maybe in organisations or in peer groups or whatever that 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 do things don't. Don't look at that, but most people generally want um, once want autonomy to to create something different. You know, um, I don't I don't know if I mentioned it or we've talked about it before, but um, one of the books, one of the great books that I read was Dan Pink's Drive, yep. where he talks about talks about purpose, uh, mastery, and autonomy being the being the three key drivers for for the current generation and, and our our generation and the younger generations as well. Um, and that, when I read that book, it really resonated with me around um, what I was seeing in, in our business and, and in, in my peers as well. Uh, so I probably took some lessons from that. And, and That's awesome. You know, yeah. Great book. Very yeah, good book. Yeah, it is. Um, what, so you talked before about um, and th- this is a long debated in our industry around the difference between managers and leaders and management and leadership and that sort of stuff. You talked before about from a management point of view, you reckon you'd be a terrible manager. Um, what do you mean by that in terms of like looking at your personality traits? Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I just don't like, um, I guess I'm a terrible, this is not a bad thing, but I'm, I'm thinking when I think management, I'm thinking micromanagement. I don't like yep. to... Uh, check in on people that they're doing what, what they should be doing or or that I'm, I'm happy to give a, a fairly general uh, and agree on a I guess a direction for something and then let it let it go from there so the, the I guess my failing is sometimes people do need further direction and some and certainly I don't always give enough of it or or check in enough in that space um, but really what I, I guess I'm slowly realizing that that's that, I mean, it's a strength and a weakness, as most things are. Um, and the, really, I, I, I hire people that can fill that void, you know, and that's why we're doing quite well now because we've got, I've got some great people that that, that take up that role and, and they're certainly not micromanagers at all by any any means, but they're probably um, keeping on top of things <laughs> better than I am in, in some cases. Yeah, and I think that's an important... Um point that you're bringing which is uh again a lot of companies that i coach and work with tend to like to hire people that are the same as them so they tend to want to build business build teams of people that are very similar and often you um you run yourself aground because you've just built a team of mini me's whereas 
an actual fact, it sounds like you're looking for people as you as you build the business, you're looking for people with strengths that actually complement your weaknesses, or you're looking for people that have an ability where you don't necessarily have ability or want to focus in the business. Do you have like is that a conscious thing for you, or is that something that you just kind of always done? Uh, no, not at all. In fact, that's probably if you talk about lessons learned through business, that's probably one of the biggest ones. Um, with respect to uh, hiring people, that there's two, there's two lessons, two biggest lessons learned is one, you get what you pay for. Um, yep. If you if you want a leader, then then you know you you, you have to pay for it, whether or not it's paying paying them more than you're paying yourself, it doesn't really matter. You have to do that in, in business sometimes. Um, and, yeah, the other one was, I, and I did probably hire mini-me's for, for quite a while and 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 I, and, and I, I realised then that after a time, there's probably not a realisation around it, but um, we needed to mature as a business. And to mature as a business, I needed people with all sorts of different skills uh, to to step it to the next level and the skills that I didn't have because essentially I was more or less self, self-taught in what I was doing. Um, so, so definitely, and I, I think maybe I stumbled on that a little bit to an extent and once it started working well with people that were different, then I went, well, this is, this is really what it is about. It's about, um, I guess, hiring, hiring for your weaknesses <laughs> in, in yeah. a sense yep. and having a, a diverse group of people that can, that can take something together. They obviously have to have the same purpose. That's, that's key. Um, pointing in the same direction is, is important um, because there will be differences of opinions on how to get there. But if we're pointing in the same direction, then then it's pretty easy to stay on, on track and achieve something and resolve those differences. Yeah. And, mate, that leads very nicely into what, where I wanted to see the conversation as well, which is um, strategy, direction and purpose. So, again, one of the things that no one's really taught at uni or as you come through the ranks in an engineering company is how do you – how do you bring people along for the journey? How do you, how, well, firstly, how do you actually set the vision and how, what, what, how do you, what's that process that you go through? But how, how have you brought people along um, successfully and bring people together and unite them under that vision and purpose? Yeah, it's, um, it's something that we're still learning. And I, and I think that um, if you talk to people that are close to me, uh, they would say sometimes communication is my downfall, but okay. I'm a, Aware of that, and, and I think that's a clear, a, a clear and obvious thing that you must have. It doesn't really matter what you're doing, where all the other weaknesses are as a leader, you cannot have that one, unfortunately. So, agreed. Um, you know, I, I look. I, I guess it's funny, isn't it? Because, and and ironically, and and, and you and you might have seen this as well, but ironically, a lot of people that, and a lot of other businesses that we. Um, we compete with and, and don't compete with don't always have a, a great strategy or purpose. And, and it's, At all. it's even just having a strategy is a good start. Um, uh, and, and I mean, that's where my mind always sits. Like I, if I'm walking, you know, if I'm outside of the office walking somewhere, I'll just start thinking in a strategic way. So that's, that's cool. Cause I, you know, that's where I like to be, but um, really it's then my, my biggest step is one, bringing other people on board, like you said. And that really is, you know, now, for instance, we do a, a yearly strategy session within the business for the key leaders. We do a quarterly presentation to the whole of the business. Um, uh, 
And that quarterly presentation includes uh, our straight financial performance, but the key areas, uh, it also touches on the key strategic, what we call, I guess, strategic pillars of the business being people and culture, systems and processes, uh, sales and marketing and growth and innovation. Um, and, and within our business, we have a leader associated with each of those. Love that. Um, they do it all themselves, but we, you know, rather than me try to do everything or one other person trying to do everything, we've, we've sort of identified what people are good at and where they sit well. Um, and that, you know, they're doing their, their normal jobs as well. Mostly we're not big enough to have them doing just that. Uh, and, they, and they're responsible for driving strategy um, on a quarter-to-quarter -quarter basis that aligns with our overall strategy. So actually this Friday we have a, a quarterly presentation to the whole staff around okay. those, those items. And, and, it's, and that's probably about, you know, it's easy to, I did say that obviously you have to have a strategy and then presenting it first to everyone's a good start, but it, then it's easy. That's almost the easy bit. The, the hard bit is making sure it keeps happening and we're, we're almost keeping ourselves accountable yep. by presenting to everyone and say, this is what we're going to do. Now, we don't always do it all, but uh, you can be sure if you do that, um, you'll, you will do some of it. And, and the, our, our people hopefully will, will appreciate it and see that, um, that we are achieving good things and we, we, um, and we, we understand where we need to go as a business and, and that then they can relate to it and, and input on it if they want to as well. Well, I was going to ask you that. Do you open it up for the for everyone in the business to to comment, provide input, provide you know their two or three cents on where they'd like to see a certain part go? Or yeah, look in in not in a formal way, but in general, we um, you know if anyone had a conversation with me around the future, the future being more than a week or two, probably it could be as as little as, and it depends on how people think. You know, it could be. Um, next week or it could be in three months or it could be in, some people do think in five or ten years yeah um, um i'd always say if you have an idea come and come and talk to us about it you know no one's and, and it's it goes back to that culture you mentioned before we're not there's not many no's there's 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 questions you know you know why do you want to do that what's have you thought about this part of it um and then it's either you know they'll either work out for themselves it may not be a good idea, but most of the time it's, oh, yeah, that's actually got got some potential. We're either going to do it now or in the future or, or whatever it is. So that probably goes back to the culture a little bit. And probably the only other thing I'd say when I do a presentation, I don't really like the sound of my own voice and I'm not um, a natural at that. That's something I've forced myself into to an extent. But what, what I do really like is people talking up during them because then it gives me a break from listening to myself. So yeah, yeah always happy to, to hear people as we go. And I think, mate, um, one of the things that I see companies do not so well is do the first two pieces that you talked about, which is we're going to get the leadership team together and do a strategy and vision planning session. Um, tick. Uh, the second thing is we're just going to get everyone together and kind of talk them through our strategy and the things that we're going to do. Tick. But the third piece that so many companies fall down on is actually implementing or taking steps or taking actions towards the things that they said they were going to do. And one of the biggest culture killers I've seen is the the, the staff seeing the leadership team as just, you know, they, they just talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but they never take action um, and they never kind of implement the things that they're talking about. It just seems to be lip service. 
how do you how do you approach actually implementing the stuff that you talk about? Is there a way that you've approached it from a leadership point of view? Yeah, look, it's you know, it's it's not easy. As you know, you've mm. been in the consulting world, and you're in the consulting world, aren't you? But um, it, you know, you we're selling time, and obviously, we get really busy, and and we we get focused in on what our our clients are uh, asking for, which we should be. Um, uh, and, and so I completely understand it. And and, it, and it's more difficult when you're smaller too, because you're doing everything. Um, we're lucky enough. We're 50 odd people now. We're lucky enough that we are starting to get some scale around having people do what they love doing 80% of the time, the old 80, 20 rule. And, you know, that that's not quite there yet, but like I said, identifying people that, that align themselves with, um, people and culture more than, more than something else. And, and so that's the first step, right? So what is it that um, we want to achieve? Well, who's the best person to achieve it? And that's the best person is the one that cares about it the most, or, you know, not necessarily that they have time for it because they'll make time if they care about it. Yeah. Um, um, You know, for me, it's probably keeping in mind that and keeping a, my own schedule that, that includes working on the business. So I do a a four quadrant um, uh, to do list, and one of those quadrants is always on the business things. So so that might be projects and 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 bids, um, as as and sales and marketing as the other three. Um, but the, the the on the business quadrant is always um, always there in my face every every week when I rewrite my sort of larger to-do list as well. And we're looking at ways of um, digitising that as well, coming up with our own sort of um, dashboarding around, you know, those types of things. So it's not just around projects. It's around what, what people, what, what goals do people want to achieve and it really reinforcing that that's, that's in, their, in our faces all the time so that we... Yeah, love we that. So, mate, just to kind of uh, almost replay back to you, what you said, it sounds like your your strategy for actually getting stuff done so talking about stuff's one thing and presenting to us to the teams you know another thing but actually implementing sounds like you've taken the approach of actually empowering a number of people to take leadership or initiative over those particular sections within the business so you're kind of diversifying or spreading the load to people there's plenty of people actioning things all the time but I love what you said about you're empowering people who are passionate about those things because you're right, like someone who gets told to do something and they mm. have to do that on top of their standard workload is not going to do it. But if someone's passionate mm. about it, 100% they're going to do it. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. I mean, that's I, – I mean, really, we shouldn't be doing – no, everyone should be always looking for what they're passionate for and, and try to try to get in that space as much as possible. Um and I think that's probably, you know, our, you know, our, um, our mantra or our tagline, I guess you'd call it for a better word, is our, our passion, your success. And that probably defines our culture a little bit here in general. We, I, I, I came up with, well, I didn't just come up with it, a group came up with the, the line, but it was on the back of, of me, I kept observing people come to me and say, I could, I just think I could get something better here. And mostly it was around projects, but sometimes it was in, around systems or, or whatever. And, and I, you know, I kept sort of being reinforced that we had these passionate people 
working in our business that really cared about what they were doing and, and making something better. And, and then the, the your success bit is really about what we're talking about at the start. How can we align that with what our clients and other collaborators and and the community in general wants um, and understanding that. So, yeah, that was a good tie-in at the end. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Um, clients, how do you approach client relationships? So what's sort of some things that you feel like set you in the business apart when it comes to understanding your client's world, diving into client relationships in a bit more deeper level and, and retaining those good quality clients over the long term? Yeah, look, generally it's sort of, I mean, broadly speaking, you would say there's a relationship at a different level. So it's not just um, a technical relationship around us delivering a service product to them. Um, the and, and without a doubt, we can get a hell of a lot better at this. But um, the ones that we that we have long term relationships and the ones that we've been, I think, successful with is that we have a a relationship at a, at a deeper level. And again, it comes back to that understanding of what what they care for, what what their business cares for, what what their industry cares for as well. You know, yep. what all those drivers around it, and and then making sure we understand that and of course you know the old uh, um, the social side of things helps as well to reinforce that um, but yeah you know we we um, we talk about and this is a, back to what you're saying before we're all trained to, to do calculations and solve a problem but we're not trained to talk to people and understand them and we we talk quite often to our staff that are wanting to to get into more business development and client-facing roles is it just try not to talk about anything technical because it's that's the easy that's that's what you know we all know you know that but to be fair your your client doesn't necessarily understand what you're saying firstly <laughs> yeah Secondly, he expects you to know it that's not that's not what yeah that's what he's paying you for yeah um what's going to stand your part is to to be able to show that you really understand what his drivers are because that sometimes you know we've had We've had discussions with clients where we've we've asked interesting, sometimes difficult, sometimes challenging questions, um, and and the answer has been something we haven't expected at all. Uh, and we've found that the drivers, you know, for instance, in one case, it was not at all about driving a, a cost down. It was all about it was all about time and lowering risk, and they don't really care to an extent what the mm -hmm. cost was, and that. That then changes how we approach that problem to say, well, okay, um, in this sense, we have to we have to look at de-risking first, and then we go from there. And then, you know, that that relationship pretty much started at that conversation. And, and uh, um, in that one that I'm thinking of, we won a very significant project on the back of. Um, but yeah, to, to summarise, I guess it's just going back to the start around um, talking non-technically and understanding what yeah. they care about and that's that's our, our real approach to it yeah well it's meeting him at that human level isn't it like at the end of the day we're all humans and like you said clients kind of expect that we have the technical ability to solve their problem but it's more how how could you go about connecting with that client on a deeper level meeting them at a personal level because people like doing business with people they like so at the end yeah. of the day if you can create a deeper more meaningful relationship with your client through um, and your terminology is a bit different to mine, but I talk about critical success factors. So what are your clients, criti what's critical to your client on this project or bid that if you actually go to the effort to ask them and find out what they are, 
you're setting yourself yeah. apart from everyone else because no one else does that. People just get into delivery mode and just punch stuff out. And sometimes the client comes to, comes back to you and goes, this is not what I want. And you're like, yeah. but it's in the fee proposal, but it's actually not really what they want. And, and the, you know, the interesting thing about that is that you have those conversations and, and really get on that level. Um, if, if then they still didn't get what they want, um, they're normally going to say, look, we just missed it there. I know because they know that you understood them at the start and they know yep. that there was just a misstep or whatever it was. And then because you've already opened those barriers to have those conversations and they're quite comfortable and we're comfortable to have it. Um, and then, like you said at the start, then that doesn't become, become a hard conversation anymore. It's an easy conversation. So, yep. Mate, um, last two questions. Uh, your journey over the last, um, let's yeah, call it 10 years, what's been your biggest lesson? Biggest lesson, um, it, it probably goes back to people, investing in people. Uh, you know, you know. again, I, the, the sort of combination of, um, you know, hire, hiring for your weaknesses, um, paying for what you get, but investing in them then from there. Uh, look, because I actually wrote, well, I think I wrote down, I said, you know, a couple of our themes for this, this next year was around developing people, investing in developing people and investing in developing culture and um, and on the back of that, actually marketing it too because it's great for people to know what Agreed. you're doing. Agreed, yep. But it's, all, it's really, it's all about people. If you get that right in a consultancy business, everything else looks after itself. Like it, uh, it sounds a bit simplistic, but if you get the right people around you and pointed in the same direction, then, then things get a lot easier. Yeah, and I guess... Yeah, my experience. That's you, you. You you said it sounds simplistic, but it's actually not because as engineers coming through the ranks and you move into a leadership role, you might go out and start your own business. Um, trying to get the human factor right is really difficult because you often people's brains aren't wired that way, and you're not taught that sort of stuff. It's kind of why mm. I do what I do. Um, but yeah, mate, it's it's a it's a always a work in progress. Um, sure. Mate, final question. In if you look back over your your career your everything that you've learned all the successes that you've had um and learnings and failings and all that sort of stuff if you could sit down and have a beer with the you know the 10 year younger version of yourself and impart you know your knowledge what would be the the main thing that you would um the main piece of wisdom that you would pass on to the 10 year younger version of yourself Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I think uh, I think that my trying to summarise my journey and 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 I've pushed myself in probably different areas than that other people might sometimes. Um, what that's given me in a lot of a lot of cases is confidence to do things differently. I've always had a drive to be different and and. I think that's what comes with running a business a little bit. I think that that's why you do it. Um, some people fall into it, obviously, but um, so what would I give the advice? You know, I think that if I look back 10 years or 15 years, I could, I could probably have, have been where I, I am now a lot faster if I had that, that, that sort of confidence, I guess almost it's probably just saying just back yourself and don't be worried about hiring people that are more experienced than you or 
approaching a client that you think is um, out of your reach, um, just upskill yourself to be able to do it and then confidently go about it. Um, um, and then you'll have the outcomes you want. So good, mate. Love that. Well, Scott, thank you, mate, for joining me today. I had a lot of fun with the conversation. Um, yeah, where can people find you, find out about you and the business? Is it LinkedIn the, the normal place or whereabouts can they yeah, go? Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Look me up on LinkedIn and, and see, what, see what we're doing and, um, yeah, reach out if you want to chat or a coffee. No problems. Sounds good, mate. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Cheers. Hi there. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Don't forget, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources. Or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. Don't forget also to hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Take care, my friends, and see you again soon.